Isn't that great? Fantastic. There's a whole lot of dads doing a great job. Good to hear good news and see good things happening in a day when a lot of people are struggling over the issue of fatherhood. Here we've got some great dads in our midst. Isn't that fantastic? Well, we've also got a great dad's going to come and preach to us tonight. Come on, let's give Andy a welcome as he comes up. All right. Come on. Who's got a great dad? Well, uh, I was talking to my dad this afternoon and, and he was saying, oh, it's so good to have sons that are doing great things and going on. And, and he says, thanks so much for being my son. And I sort of said, I didn't really have a choice, did I? But you know what? We've got a, a God in heaven and he's like our father. And he loves us so much. You know what? He wants the best for you. We may have had earthly dads that some of our dads aren't the best dads. They make mistakes because they're not perfect. Who's got a dad who's not perfect? Or anyone here has got a dad who's perfect? That's all right. I know I'm a dad and I'm close to perfect, but I know I'm not. And I know that as my kids get older, they'll realize I'm less and less perfect. But you know what? God loves us so much and he's a perfect God and a perfect father. And I love what Pastor Mike said tonight. He said that God has got dreams for you. God's got dreams for you. He's got desires and plans for you to promote you, to make you something great that you never even imagined you could do. I thought, Farid, if we could just get our thinking aligned with his thinking, we'd be absolutely amazed. His heart is so much for us. He's totally overwhelmed with his love for you. And he's got plans to make you great, to prosper you, to show himself strong on your behalf. What if you just close your eyes for a moment? And I was just praying this afternoon and I just sense so much that there's people here tonight and you're feeling like this at the moment. You're feeling like your life is in a cave. So what, is that, what does that feel like? That feels like black, isolated, dark. And you're saying these thoughts to yourself. No one knows how I feel. No one understands where I am. No one understands how I got here. I don't even know how I got here. And you feel like you're totally isolated and cut off and think, how could I ever get anywhere, go anything? It's like you're in this cave and you can't even see where the entrance to the cave is. But I want to tell you that I've got a heavenly Father and you may think that nobody knows where you are, nobody knows what you think, nobody knows how you feel or how dark it may seem. But I want to tell you tonight that my Heavenly Father knows exactly where you are. Because if it weren't so, He wouldn't have told me to say this. He knows exactly where you are, He knows exactly what you're going through. And He wants to say, where are you? What are you doing? If that's you tonight, I want you to quickly put your hand up. I'm not going to get you to come to the front. I just want you to say, that's me tonight. I feel like that. I feel like I'm in a cave. I, think, I feel like I'm oscillated and cut off. I, I just feels like no one knows where I am. If that's you tonight, quickly put your hand up. Great. There's hands all up, going over the place. Father, I just want to thank you tonight. I thank you tonight that you desire to touch us and grow us and challenge us to come up a level. I thank you that you desire to promote us. I thank you that you've got plans and dreams for us that we'd be amazed if we knew about. 
And Father, I thank you for your presence and power coming in this place tonight to touch and change lives. That not only would we encounter you, but we just come alive on the inside again and be restored into what you called us to be. And everyone said, All right. That's good, Anna. Say it again. All right. Hey, uh, who's, who's heard of a guy called the name, by the name of Dave Dobbin? All right. He wrote this song and it's called Call Me Loyal. Who's heard that song? Great song. You all would have heard it because it was a theme song to America's Cup and to another couple of things. Call Me Loyal. What does it mean to be loyal? It means to stay true. Doesn't matter what comes against me, I'm going to stay true. Doesn't matter how I feel, how I think, what goes on, call me loyal. Well, tonight's message is all about that. It says, call me loyal, the price of promotion. You know that God wants to promote you. He wants to grow you to a level that is far above and beyond what you are at the moment. What does that mean so that you grow in favor? You grow in favor in his eyes and the eyes of the people around you. So that decisions go your way. Who would like decisions to go your way? The bank manager, you come up and you say, I want this loan, and he goes, sure, not only that, but I'll drop the interest rate, and I'll throw in uh, fees for legal, and I'll throw in fees for this. Hey, we're just going to do this. Who wants that kind of thing working for you? Come and, yeah, come and see me. Who wants decisions to go your way? Who wants to make good plans to see my life succeed, to see my family relationships grow stronger, who wants to see the world around them changed because of you? Hey, well, that's great because we're in the right place tonight. You know what? I, I believe, I strongly believe that we're called to four things. Number one, you're called to be a family builder. Number two, you're called to be a business builder. Because how can you help people if you're poor? If you've got no money to give away, how can you help anybody? So number one, a family builder, two, a business builder, three, a nation builder. God has called you to be a nation builder. That you think beyond yourself and you do some things and stand up and say some things that you see the nation around you changed because of what you do. Well, I'll tell you what, in a couple of weeks' time, you've got a decision to make who you're going to vote for. Are you going to be a nation builder? Are you going to put your pen and, and make a decision and vote for somebody that's going to let this nation be established on some good things? Or are you going to waste your vote, not vote for anybody, or vote for somebody that will see this nation broken down? God's called you to be a nation builder. But not only that, He's called you to be a kingdom builder. God wants to promote you and grow you stronger. But there's always a price to pay to come up a level. Everyone say price. Who loves paying the price? Come on, someone was lying. I know. It's like, it's like me when I got married. I came up the front and I said, uh, Honey, I love you. I give my life to you. You hearing me? I give my life to you. I will love you until the day I die. And then uh, we, we carried on marriage and I, I love my wife. And then uh, we have kids. Kids are great. And then one night, there's this rugby game. And it's called a Bledisloe Cup game. Who likes rugby? And I say, I love you, honey. I'll die for you. 
and we and we haven't spent much time together because we've been busy and we've got this one spare night, but it's the rugby. Oh. I'd die for you. But I'm not gonna I'm not, I can't do anything with you tonight because I'm watching the rugby. But no. I won't tell you. You can ask my wife what we did. Who knows? God wants to promote you, but there's always a price to pay. We, stand, we stood here, and who sang that song tonight, I Live for Jesus? Who sang the song, You're Great and Mighty, I Love You, I Depend on You, I Rely on You? That's good, isn't it? Well, there's a story, and it goes like this. Once there was this Pope, Pope John Paul, and he was getting old, and he's in his flowery gown, and it's nice and white, kind of like this, but it's just a bit longer. And, and, he, and he's getting to a stage in his life where he's getting old and his heart is starting to tire. And so he's sick. And we all knew this. He was sick and he was dying. And so he's in his bed in the, in the Vatican where he is and, and he's, he's dying. And the, the doctors come and they say, the only way that we're going to get you to live on is if, if we can give you a heart transplant. And so the, one of the cardinals, he goes, out, he goes out to the edge of the platform and he says to the crowd, there's these tens of thousands of people and they're, and they're just, just waiting and just praying and crossing their chest and saying lots of Hail Marys and things. If only the, the, only the Pope would survive. And the Cardinal comes out and he's quite solemn and he speaks to the crowd. He, hush, hush. And the crowd quietens. And he says to the crowd, the only way that we're going to get the Pope to live on and carry on such a great work that he's doing is if we can get a heart transplant for him. But the problem is we need that heart right now and it's got to be a fresh heart. So we can't wait for one to come in. We need someone to lay down their life for the Pope so that he could carry on with this great destiny. And so all the people, they're sitting in the front and they're standing around. They're saying, oh, what a noble thing to better give my life for something great. And so they're standing there saying, Take my heart. Take my heart. Take my heart. And so you got 10,000 people saying, Take my heart. Take my heart. Here, I love you. Take my heart. And so the cardinal, he's a bit shocked. He thought no one would want to give to their heart. Who would want it? So he goes into the Pope and he says, Your greatness, 10,000 people here want to give their heart to you. They would willingly lay down their lives for you. They're saying they want to live for you and, and give you their heart. What are we going to do? How, how, who are we going to pick? And so the Pope, he goes, oh, so what are we going to do? Because he's kind of dying, you know. And You take a feather and you drop it out. And the feather, the person the feather touches, they get to give me their heart. And the Cardinal thinks, you are a man of greatness. So he takes this feather and he comes out and he stands out on the balcony and he says, Oh, great people. And they sing, Take my heart. Take my He says, The person that this feather drops on, you get the privilege of donating your heart to the Pope that the Pope might live. Take my heart. Take my heart. And so the Cardinal, he drops his feather and the feather goes, Take my heart. 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 Take my heart.
take my heart. Take my heart. Take my heart. You catching this? Take my heart. Jesus, I'll die for you. But I won't stand up in my school. Jesus, I'll die for you. But I'm just going to carry on gossiping and lying and cheating and stealing. Jesus, I'd die for you. I'd, I'd, I'd give my life for you. If, if, if I stood up and, and a terrorist came in here and said, right, I'm going to shoot everyone that, that follows Jesus. Jesus, I'd, I'm your man. I'll st- take my heart. And then we walk out the doors and, and someone cuts us off at the intersection. Take my heart. You know, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord, 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord run. And I don't know if you can picture this, but the eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth. I just, my, my imagination just can't get this guy right. The eyes of God are running throughout the earth looking to show himself strong. God wants to promote you. He wants you to come up a level. He wants to show himself strong. What that means is to encourage you, to inspire you, to make you strong. It's like you stand up here and and then God Almighty stands behind you. It's like the movie Bruce Almighty. Have you seen that movie? I haven't seen it, but I heard some good things. And it's like the power. It's like if God stands behind you, it's like like you walk wherever you want to go, you do whatever you want to do because God is with me. God wants to promote you. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. But it says his eyes are running throughout the earth to and fro to show himself strong on behalf of him whose heart is loyal. You see, God wants to promote you, but the condition, the price of promotion is being loyal. It's having a heart that says, take him a heart, take him a heart. I'm prepared to pay the price. It's not running when it gets tough. It's not running when it gets hard. But it's saying, I'm going to stay true to you no matter what the cost. Call me loyal. The price of promotion. In Proverbs 26, it says this. Most men declare their own goodness or declare their unfailing love. But a faithful man or a loyal man, who can find? I want to be found loyal. I want to be found loyal. I want my life to be a life that God would say, I find you loyal. There's nothing that I can throw at you. There's no situation, no test, no circumstance where you bow the knee or buckle because you stay loyal. And even if you waver a little bit, you still come running back to me. God's looking to promote you, to show himself strong on your behalf. But the price of that is being loyal. The price of that is keeping your trust and foundation in him. We glamorize it and we say, God, I'd die for you. I'd uh, lay down my life for you. And yet, I know in my life, I say these big things and yet I struggle to get out of bed and pray. Hang on a moment. I'd die for him, but I wouldn't get out of bed for him. Maybe that's just me. Turn to your neighbor and say, maybe he's talking to you. Now, it's easy. It's easy. Who knows it's easy to be loyal when times are good? 
You know, it's easy to be loyal in church. It's easy to be faithful in church. You've got all these people singing around. They're singing these great songs with you. It's like, that's easy. I'm invincible. I'm strong. You know, it's easy when people are standing around you. And that's easy to stand up and be strong. It's easy if you, if you go to a school and everyone stands up the same as you. That's really easy. Who knows that? But I'll tell you, it's hard when things don't go to your way. It's hard when you stand up and no one else does. Or it's like you think you're standing up and look around there's no one else. You see, it's, it's the little things. We think it's something great. We think, God, I'll die for you. I'll go to Indonesia on a youth mission trip and, and I'll take a bullet for you. And he goes, hang on a moment. You're not even standing in your school for me. How come you gossip and slander and tell stories just like every other Joe? No, you say you'd die for me? What about the little things? You know, the little things are the things that if we can't stand up in him, for him in the little things, then we won't stand up for the big things. I've got a couple of stories tonight. And we're going to get into these stories. They're great stories. But we're going to see the difference between someone who's prepared to count the cost and someone who's prepared to not. Because God wants to promote us. And I know tonight there's people here and, and you feel like you've run away and there's others It's like, God, I love you, I love you, I love you. But I want to challenge you to stand up. Call me loyal. That at the end of tonight we can stand up here and say, God, call me loyal. I'm prepared to pay the price because I want to see my nation changed. Because I want to see my school influenced. Because I want to see my generation changed. Because I don't want my life to just pass into oblivion. But I want my life to be known as someone who stood for a cause. It's like we saw up on those Father's Day videos, the story of, uh, uh, of uh, Mel Gibson. You know, the, the Patriot. And he stands up and makes a difference. And he picks up the flag when everyone else is running away. He picks up the flag and he says, no surrender. Don't run away. This is when we need to stand the strongest. Then we see uh, in that movie with Russell Crowe, Gladiator, his whole world around him dies, and yet something in the side of him rises up. You know, the Bible talks a couple of stories. It, it talks about this, this guy called Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. And, and we've got this, at the time Elijah lived, the whole of the nation of Israel was bowing down to these idols they called Baals. So they were like these golden calves and, and they'd worship these calves because they believed that the God behind this calf would, would give them fertility and make them look sexy and good. And they believed that this God in behind this would, would give them rain on their crops in the right season, not hail. And so we've got a, we got a nation that's totally turned up again, away against God. And then God raises up this man called David, no, Elijah. And Elijah goes to the king Ahab and he says, on my word, it's not going to rain until I give the word. Now here you've got a people that worshipping a god called Baal who they thought was the god of the rains, the god, of the, the, the god that brought the rain. So here you've got Elijah, a prophet of the living God. Then he says, no, no, no. It's not going to rain unless I give the word. And then he... he disappears he takes off and he incredible it doesn't rain for three whole years can you imagine not a single drop of rain 
Not a single Jew. There was no Jew. It didn't wake up the morning. It was still dry. Go to bed. Surely it's going to be moist in the morning. Get up. It's dry again. You can leave your washing out all night and it stays dry. This is amazing. Three whole years. And all this time, Elijah, by the start of it, he's staying and he's camped by this little creek in the middle of the, the cowwickers. And these birds, these ravens, they, a bird flies in in the morning, turns up with some bread and some fish. Then he drinks from the water and cruises around. And then at night, this bird comes in. It's like God's first fast food deliveries. It's like the amazing provision of God. It's like Elijah, amazing guy. He knew the provision of God. He then goes and, and God, the brook dries up, so God sends him to this other nation. And in that nation, he stays with this lady. And she's got no food, nothing left. And yet he tells, tells her to give of him a, a food, a, a meal. And it says that she had this jar of flour and this jar of oil, and it didn't run out. She just kept taking like wheat bix out of the packet, and the wheat bix packet never runs out. Who's experienced that? It's like the car keeps driving and driving and driving and driving. The price of petrol keeps going up and up and up, but the car never runs out of petrol. Who kind of liked that provision? Who kind of liked that promotion? I think, man, I want some of that. I, I want, it's like that chocolate. It's like, you know, the, you, you've got a packet of chit-chats in the fridge, and you go in there, and it's like you take one, and you eat it, and you go back, and there's none left. How about going into the fridge, opening it up, taking a chit-chat, going back again for what, 12 months and you take six a day and there's still chit-chats. It's like the provision of God's amazing. Not only that, but the boy where he's staying, the boy dies and he prays for him and he comes back to life. Then after three years, he comes and he, he's known the provision of God and he comes back to, to King Ahab. King Ahab's been looking for him all over the place, as you could imagine. And he says, right, we're going to have a showdown. I will show you who's God. And he calls the whole of the Israel nation. And they come up on this big mountain. And you've got all these, these prophets of Baal. There's 850 of them. And here's Elijah. 850? One. And he says, right, you guys do a sacrifice and I'll do a sacrifice. And the God who answers with fire, he's going to be the God that we serve. So the, uh, so the, the Baal people... They do this, and they just get going, and they cut themselves and singing and dancing and, and singing a little bit of Madonna and singing a little bit of Eminem and cruising around and dancing and, and cutting themselves and getting really excited and carried away, but nothing happens. And it says, finally, at the end of the day, Elijah comes and he pours water on a sacrifice and soaks it till it's totally soaked. And then he stands back and he says this, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that I'm your man. Let it be known that I'm your servant and that I've obeyed you. And let these people know that you are the real and one and only God that they may turn and follow you. Ask you to send down fire. And boom! Fire comes and consumes up the meat, consumes up the wood, the sticks, consumes up the rocks. I mean, the fire burns the rocks. I think far out. It's an incredible power. And then, and then the whole of the Israel nation, it's like they fall on their faces and said, yeah, this is the one true God. Incredible power encounter. Who'd like to be in that situation? 
amazing, amazing miracles. And so then he, he calls his guys together and they come down and they take 850 of these prophets. They take them down into the ravine and they cut all their throats. Sort of R18 kind of restricted sort of stuff. There's blood that flows up to their, their thighs. I don't know. Anyway, we're moving on. But there's a great mass slaughter of these ungodly people. And then he comes up and see there's no rain. And then he goes and he prays. He looks out, there's no rain, there's no rain, there's no rain. And then this fist of a cloud starts to come after three years of nothing. And he says, look out, it's going to rain. He sends King Ahab to run, hop in his chariot, the best, fastest chariot in the land, and run back, race back to the major city. And it says this, that Elijah girded up his coat or clothes into his jockey's wife runs. And it says that he ran so fast that he ran ahead of that chariot. Who'd like to run that fast? Fire out, that would be fast. Now that is fast. So, so here we got amazing power encounters, incredible provision of God, incredible power of God. And then Ahab tells his wife. His wife is a wicked lady. Her name is Jezebel. She's from another nation. And she hates God. And she says, to, and she says to Elijah, she says this, May the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life like one of those. It says that she sent a messenger to him. And I want you to see this. Turn your Bibles to, to 1 Kings. One Kings chapter 19. You see, Elijah thought he was the only one. He comes back and he says, I'm the only man that God has kept alive. I'm the only prophet. And yet when he came back, he encountered a man who was a servant of the king that said, I actually kept and provided for a hundred of God's prophets. So Elijah, you're not the only one. Just store that in the back of your head. And then he comes and there's amazing miracles and provision and power of God. And it says this, Chapter 19, verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And look at this. It says this, verse 3. And when he saw that, you see, the whole thing of what we've got to do is keep our eyes off of ourselves and onto God. If we can keep our eyes on God and off of ourselves. It's like, if you imagine this, if there's this, there's this rope that goes from the front of the stage to the back there and I've got this big beam of walking. And if I'm going to walk all that way, the only way that I can do that is if I keep my eyes on the end. The moment I start to look down and focus on my feet, what's going to happen? You lose balance because you lose focus and you fall off. The moment that we get our eyes off of God, off of the source of all our strength, hope, life, get onto ourselves, we lose balance. You see this? You see, you send a messenger to someone, usually you hear what a messenger says, or you, you maybe you read what a messenger says, but Elijah saw. So here we've got this amazing provision of God, but I want you to see what happens. First thing is he saw it. And then he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed 
that he might die. So here you've got this amazing provision power of God and yet it came to the crunch where he could have put his foot down and total deliverance for that nation and what happens? He runs because he got his eyes off of God and onto himself. Elijah knew the power and strength of God yet he missed out on fulfilling what God wanted to do at that time. We get that he runs into the desert. He lies down and says, I'm just going to die. And an angel comes and wakes him up and says, you've got to eat. And the angel feeds him. He goes back to sleep. The angel feeds him a second time. Then he runs 250 kilometers to a cave. Amazing. And God says, what are you doing here? You see, God wants us to keep his eyes on him. As soon as we get our eyes on ourselves and start to look down that way, we start to think like Elijah. I've got to look after myself. God had just looked after him in front of 850 prophets and, and through a drought, through a potential being killed by this, this evil queen. And yet, he suddenly started to think of himself. I've got to preserve myself. He runs in and he gets caught up in pride if you read on and, and you see it's like I'm the only one left and God says, no, 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 son. There's actually 7,000 that I've kept. You're not the only one. So he gets caught up in pride. He gets, gets caught up in self-preservation. I've got to look after myself. He gets caught up in fear, intimidation, self-seeking. And so then God says this, what are you doing here? I want you to go and anoint this man king and this person in your place. You see, we see from then on that Elijah didn't come up a level. He stayed where he was. Elijah was a great man of God, but I believe God had so much more for him because God wanted to promote him. What you do in those times determines whether you come up a level or you stay the same. But God wants you to come up a level. God wants to promote you. But the price of that is staying loyal, even if it costs you your life. We see another story in the Bible. This is a story about a guy called Jacob. Who knows a guy called Jacob? It says, when Elijah came and he stood on that mountain with all these people, he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Abraham, Isaac, and... No, he didn't. Really interesting. He said, I didn't say. He didn't say that. He said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You see, Jacob started off as Jacob. His name means deceiver. When he was, he was born as a twin, and when his brother was getting born before him, he reached out as he's being born and grabbed his heel. So right from the start, this guy was a, a fairly twisted character. He was always looking after himself, looking out for number one. You see... The price of promotion is being loyal to God and keeping our eyes on Him. But the world that we live in would say you've got to be true to yourself. You've got to be loyal to yourself. You've got to look after numero uno. You've got to look after number one, yourself. But see, God says, if you will lay your life down, if you will not seek yourself, then I will promote you. So we've got here Jacob. And it says, first thing he does is he deceives his brother. And gets a birthright. The second thing he does is he deceives his father and gets a blessing. So this guy is fairly wicked and twisted. Then he goes and he, and he obeys his parents and he goes into a far, far land and, and picks up for himself a, a couple of wives. And, and then he deceives his father-in-law. So we've got a, like, stage after stage, we've got a guy that's, twicked, that's, that's twisted and wicked. And yet, yet, look at this. You see... Jacob came to a point in his life where he said, I can't go on like this. I can't 
go on like this. If I go on like this, I'm going to end up broken, alone, with no friends because I keep breaking the relationships that I got. And so he decides to go back and sort out some things. And it says he's coming along. Now, his brother Esau, he deceived. He robbed everything from him. So if you were the brother Esau, what would you want to do to Jacob? Make him like one of those 850 prophets of Baal? Does anyone would agree with me on that? You see, if I was Esau, I would want to totally... Yeah. Totally destroy him. I would be so gutted, so angry, so mad. I know you wouldn't be like that, but I would make his death slow and painful. But you see, Jacob knew in order for him to carry on and be what God intended him to be, he's going to have to face up to some issues. So it says this. I'm amazed at this. It says he... Now, he knew that Esau was going to come. He actually sent people to tell him he was coming. This is found in Genesis 27. He knew he was coming, and yet he chose to face up to it, face his issues. So we got Elijah knew the power of God, knew the miraculous provision, yet when it came to the crunch, he ran and missed out on the promotion. Here you've got Jacob. He was a twisted man with an inferiority complex, yet he faced up, and let's see what happens. Genesis chapter 27. Let's move on, move on. Genesis chapter 32. Jacob's freaking out. Here's, here's his brother coming to kill him. But he says this, God of my fathers. What did Elijah say? Same sort of thing. God of my fathers, I ask you to come through for me right now. I'm freaking out here. And it says that he faced up to his fears and it said that he wrestled with God all night. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with God, but I know I've wrestled over some issues in my life and struggled to face some things. But it said that at the end of that night that he prevailed. He prevailed over his fear. He prevailed over the things that he faced. And he stood up. And it says that God said to him, No longer will you be called Jacob, a deceiver, but from now on you'll be called a prince with God. Is that promotion? We see that Jacob's life no longer went on as, as Jacob, as a deceiver, but he went on to become Israel, the father of a nation. You see, God wants to promote you. He wants to promote you, but the price of that is loyalty of being faithful and facing up to the issues in our lives. I'm not saying, God, I'd die for you, and then walking away on Monday through Saturday, but it's saying, God, what I do, I'm going to stay true to you every moment of the day when no one's watching. Even though people stand up against me, I'm going to stay true to you. The price of that is faithfulness. Because God wants to promote you to be a nation builder. Just like he promoted Jacob to be Israel, a nation builder. He wants to promote you so that you would find his strength comes around you. When you struggle, when you're full of afraid and of fear, that his strength comes around you. When you're struggling and knowing what to do, that his wisdom comes around you. Are you hearing me tonight? You know... I grew up in a, in a home that was a Christian home. You'd say it was a Christian home, but I knew what it was to, to come to church on Sundays and sing the songs and do and say the things. But it came to a point in my life that I left home and went to a place that was a big farm. And there were 20 guys and me. I was about 17. 
You see, I, I had these dreams of, of having my life make a difference. I wanted my life to be significant, to count. I had dreams that I wanted my life to affect the nations. But I didn't know what it was going to cost me. And so I went to this place and I thought, right, it starts here. And so I took my Bible and I put it on my desk. And I said, right, these people have got to know from the start that I'm a Christian. That I'm living for something that's far bigger than myself. That I'm not living as they all live, but I'm loyal to a God in heaven and I live according to His ways. See, the problem was, I was there for two years. Was I prepared to get beaten up because I stood up and counted, wanted to be counted loyal? Was I prepared to ring up my mum and she'd pray for me and I'd just be in tears on the phone because I felt so rejected and isolated? Was I prepared to have people walk away from me because I chose to stand up and be loyal? Was I prepared to be sitting in a room watching television with all these guys and suddenly they flick on a porn? What would I do? Do I stay loyal to my God or do I just sit there? Or do I jump out the window because that was the only thing that was open because they're standing in front of the door? Was I prepared to be loyal even though no one stood with me? When no one else see, you know, was I prepared to carry on doing what I'm doing when it hurt, when I was struggling, when I felt so alone and isolated and rejected? But you know what? I look back at those two years. They hurt. I felt so alone and isolated and rejected. And yet I know that at the end of that time, I got promoted. What do I mean by that? I mean that I've, as I've made little steps to follow hard after Him and stay loyal, not in the big things. I've never had to lay my life down for Jesus Christ. I've never come up to, had someone come up to me with a gun and say, will you serve Jesus Christ or will you die? It doesn't happen in New Zealand. You can go on a mission trip and maybe experience that. But you see, I chose to stand up and say, I want my life to be loyal. I want to pay the price of growing in God. And as a result of that, my life has gone on and gone on and gone on. And I can see and tell you that I experienced the favor of God because I know I wouldn't be where I am today in my business, with my family, with my community, with the church, if it wasn't for paying those little prices along the way. You know, you stand up here, you youth, you're at school. You say, I love you, Jesus. I follow after you. But then what do you do at school? Do you stand up for him at school? Are you prepared to pay the price? God wants to promote you. But are you prepared to say this tonight? God, I choose to be loyal no matter what comes against me. No matter if my friends, they desert me. No matter if they think I'm a freak or a nutter, I choose to stand up for you. If, even if they say... What do you think you're doing keeping your, you're not, you know, sleeping around and having sex with everyone? What's wrong with you? And how do you feel? But you say, no, because I'm going to be loyal to someone who's far greater because my life is going to count for eternity. My, my life is going to count for eternity. 
You know, God wants to promote you. He wants you to come up another level, but the price of that is faithfulness. The price of that is being loyal. You know, I stood true in those times. I don't know about you tonight, but I know there's people, and you're just like Elijah. See, Elijah ran to a cave. What's your cave? Is your cave a cave of fear? I'm afraid of what they'll say about me. I'm afraid of what they'll do to me. Maybe your cave is intimidation. I'm just freaking out looking at them, what they think. Maybe your cave is a cave of rejection or isolation. I just want to look after myself. I mean, I'll do this thing on Sunday, but what about, I mean, I want these things. I want to live for God and I want to do these things and I want that car and I, and I want to have the, the girl and I want, to, I want to do these things as well. But you see, God would say, are you prepared to live for me? Just one of you close your eyes for a moment. And I wonder tonight, have you been listening? And you've come in here tonight and you do not know Jesus Christ. He's the God that we live for. You see, we were separated and cut off. There was no hope for me. There was no life. There was no peace. There's no way that I could have a relationship with the God of this, the God who made this world. Except Jesus came and he paid the price that I could. You see, he didn't just say, I'll die for you, but he did. He didn't just say, I'm going to live for you, I'm going to live for you on Sundays. And, but he actually came down from heaven and he was put on a cross and he died a cruel, hard death that we might come into relationship with God the Father. I wonder if you're here tonight and you've never said, I want to come into a relationship with God my Father. I want to accept what Jesus did for me. And I want to come to know Him and stand up like He did for me. I want to follow after Him because He laid down His life for me. If that's you tonight and you've never made that decision before, I want you to put your hand up. With every eye closed, I want you to put your hand up across this place. Say, I want to give my life to one who gave his life for me. I want to follow after him because I know that with him, I'm going to become something far greater than I could on my own. Is anyone here tonight? I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone here tonight and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. You know, as I've been speaking, I know that there's many of us that have been in the places just like Elijah did. And he was in that cave. And he had all these excuses while he was in this cave. He said, I'd stand up for you. I was the only one. I was afraid for my life. And God said to him, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? This is not where I called you to be. What are you doing here? I know that the Holy Spirit would speak to many of us tonight and say, what are you doing here? You say you love me. You say you follow after me. You say this, you say that. And you're hiding away in a cave. You've run away.
from the situation that I caused to grow you. The situation that could have been your promotion you've run away from. Now what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song. And if that's you tonight, I want you to quickly come to the front and say, God, I need to repent. I need to turn back from where I've run to. And I need to run back to you. You're asking me the question, what are you doing here? Well, I've run from you. I've run to something that that is wrong. I've put my depending and relying on something else. But God, I want to be counted as loyal. If that's to you tonight, let's all stand. Are we going to sing that song, Live for Jesus? And if that's to you tonight, as we start singing this song, I want you to quickly come to the front and say, I've been hiding in a cave. I've been running from you. But tonight, I want to pay the price. I want to be counted as one who is loyal because I want my life to count. I want my life to be something counted as something different. That's you tonight. Then quickly come up at the front. Say, I want my life to be counted as someone who's loyal. God, I don't just want to die for you. I want to live for you. I'm not going to be afraid to stand up in my school. I'm not going to be afraid to stand up in my community. I'm not going to be afraid to stand up in my workplace. Because I want to see your promotion. I want to see you come through for my life. I want to live for you. like Elijah did in that cave. You feel isolated, cut off. No one knows what I'm really like. No one knows what I'm going through. You've got all these things growing through your head and you may be fully justified being in that place. But I want to say God is here tonight and He wants to touch your life. So will you, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Just as a father would say, what are you doing here? Will you come? Will you return to me? Because I want to promote you. I want you to make decisions that will last for eternity. If that's you tonight as we come, say, God, count me loyal. Call me loyal. I want to pay the price. I want to pay the price. I'm living for you.